Welcome to Leadership in 10, a podcast meant to encourage, inspire, and give insight into what it looks like to lead well during the current pandemic. It's also meant to be a space where we can engage in authentic dialogue about the challenges we're facing right now. I'm Jennifer Cho, and I'm happy to be speaking with David Schutte, Executive Vice President of Knoll today. Welcome, David. Thank you for joining me today. To start, I thought we would just dive right in, and I would love for you to tell people a little bit just about your background, what brought you to Knoll, and then what your world looks like. Sure, Jennifer, and thank you for inviting me into your podcast society. And I think <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I think, by in seriousness, I think this is a fantastic example of reinventing how we engage people at Knoll in a very different world we're living in today. So kudos to you and the HR team for doing this. Thank you. So background, I am, uh, you know, this will go out to many people in the studio audience here. I'm a Philly boy by birth, went to college outside of Philly, majored in, you know, practical areas like history and art history. Uh And after college, ended up in New York City in Macy's executive training program, where I I learned the art of retail and high anxiety, which (laughs) I will say, Working at Macy's, I figured out there must be a better way of running the world than I could see it in that in that organization. And I went to business school. And while at business school, I really wanted to focus on a company with design credentials, design orientation. So I reached out to Knoll, landed an internship at Knoll for the summer. And at the end of that summer, to my surprise and delight, uh, the president of the company at Noel at the time invited me to his office and said, if you'd like to come back and join us after graduation, please do. Wow. So I, so that was amazing. So I came back just in time, in fact, for Noel to be sold to Westinghouse Electric. And for those people who are listening who have any idea what that period was like, it was the occupation years at Noel. <laughs> And I will, I will say this organization's ability to withstand that era is an enduring testimony to the resilience and fortitude of noise in the brand. And in, in, in seriousness, it says a lot about this company. Yeah. So after five years as the marketing director for Noel Studio, I, I left um, to sow my wild oats in the industry and was at Maharam <laughs> for a couple of years leading marketing there and then ran A&D sales for Herman Miller. And then one day, Andrew Kogan came a knocking and said he was looking for a new head of Knoll Textiles and asked me to take on that position. And I, I do think once a Knolly, always a Knolly. So mm-hmm. in 2004, I came you know, back to the family to lead Knoll Textiles in that amazing organization. And then was asked in 2007 to step into the CMO role for Knoll Office. Just in time, I should say, for the Great Recession and all the changes. Perfect. Yeah, and the changes and upheaval that came with that and and a period of great learning and opportunity for Noel. We came out of it really strong based on a lot of the good efforts we were doing then as as we are doing now. 2014, we had worked, I'd worked on the acquisition of Holly Hunt, and I was asked to take on the presidency of that organization. So Spend, I spent a lot of quality time in Chicago, where it's based. Love Chi Town. And then in 20, <laughs> 2017, became the executive vice president of North America Lifestyle Businesses. Tell us a little about 
your role now? And then are you going into the office? Are you working from home primarily? How have things affected you? First of all, in so North America lifestyle, probably always good to remind people what that is because it yeah. sounds a little bit like I'm a cruise director. <laughs> Maybe in another career I would have been. You would be um, good I that. work with Holly Hunt, with Knoll Studio, particularly on the residential side, with Edelman, Spinney, textiles, the coverings businesses. So I get a kind of nice blend of workplace and residential orientations. And these are small organizations, all with their personalities and predilections and and approaches to the marketplace. So it gives me a really great perspective on both Noel and the larger workplace and, and residential world. In terms of me, I am, you know, certainly like all of us found a rhythm working from home, perhaps a bit begrudgingly. It is it has been, you know, probably better than we anticipated, but also isolating and, and one dimensional. Sure. And I, I would say I was feeling like a hamster in a cage without the exercise wheel that would have been really helpful. But I would say over the last month, what's been great is I've been able to go back into my New York office. And it's, it's nice to have choice about work environments again. Yeah. So much of what our research at Knoll has taught us is that we need different types of settings for different types of work. No doubt the home office will become part of that work ecosystem, but it's really only one part of a network of settings that we all crave. And I Absolutely. do believe the physical workplace is the ultimate destination for collaboration and connectivity. In fact, yesterday I was in the office and had a really productive brainstorming session with a few colleagues, which is something we would not really ever be able to do in a, in a really productive way over Zoom. Yeah, there, there's something that's lost in Zoom. It connects us in, in ways that we could never be connected before, but it doesn't solve for all. That leads me to my next question. We're certainly in a transition period right now between the old way of doing things and the new way. This time period is oftentimes marked by a lot of creativity in organizations. How have you been thinking about this time? And then how are you taking advantage of it? Good question. We are definitely in a transition period. And what that future looks like, you know, is, is obviously still to be defined. I will say, depending on the moment of the day, per, on a personal level, I'm either stressed out of my mind over everything going on around us, or actually really, really energized by the velocity of change. Right. And, you know, with, this, with the speed of issues coming our way, so much of the time we have to spend is on reacting, reacting mm -hmm. in real time, right? Mm -hmm. But I do think it's really important for us as leaders to play the long game and cultivate a larger perspective. So to sort of answer your question... With everything going on, I try to carve out time to listen to podcasts and find insightful articles that try to begin to define the next normal, meaning okay. what lies beyond where we are now. And you know, let's say that's in the next couple of years, hopefully post-pandemic, right? There is a lot being written. Um, I've actually assembled, this is my nerdy kind of academic side, a 40-plus <laughs> page compilation of excerpts from articles that begin to postulate on the changes that are impacting us as a society and our clients and our industry. Um, yeah, it's what I my heard team, that referred to as your dissertation. Yeah, well, our, our people call it the syllabus. I think it's a, a kinder term, perhaps. Um, but I think those articles, Jan, have been a good thought starter for planning to and, and to link the, these larger trends to the sort of so what for all of us at Knoll. 
And and right. by the way, you know, this is a, a an advertising pitch, perhaps. I'm happy to share that syllabus with fellow leaders across Knoll. So, you know. That would be it. fantastic. Send a checker money order for $29.99 and it's on its way. So I'm curious, are there any podcasts that you particularly recommend listening to? Well, that's that's a great question. I I find, you know, more maybe it's TMI. I find I love to exercise in the morning. I'm finding exercising at home tremendously boring. So so I've been embraced podcasts as a way to entertain myself and educate myself at 6.30 a.m. Um, <laughs> but I, I vacillate between The Economist, uh, okay. Axios, Wall Street Journal, occasionally McKinsey does podcasts. They don't do a lot, but some of them are very good. Right. When it's back, when, when school's back in session, Harvard Business Review has good podcasts. And there's sure. one, Scott Galloway's Prof G show, which he's a little bit of a snarkier take on a lot of trends around us, particularly in retail. Okay, nice. These are good, helpful hints. <laughs> As a follow-up to that question, what do you do to foster an environment on your team where people are encouraged to think creatively? Because I, I don't think everybody does this well. What do you do to make sure that people have that space and are encouraged to do that? Well, I'd start with the reality of right now. We know, as we often say, there's no playbook for what we're going through. Right. And I, and I fundamentally believe no one person has anywhere near to the answers we need. So, and we really have to invent as we go. That calls for a lot of creativity and collaboration to get there. Mm-hmm. I, I will say more than ever as a leader, I'm humbled by what I do not know, but I am emphatic on one thing, that if we get the right people together we can ascertain the right path forward. Okay. In a sense, you could call it crowdsourcing. And then narrow, it narrows crowdsourcing. Uh, but I do think as leaders, that's our job, to bring the right talent and perspectives together to solve the seemingly unsolvable and to chart the right path forward for our organizations. I'm always awed by what a talented group can achieve when they come together to solve a problem. Okay, so... Practically speaking, I'm just thinking if I'm a leader out there, okay, so bringing the right people together to solve things. But then I'm curious, when you have those people together, what are you doing in the room that's fostering that good, rich, creative dialogue? Well, I'll go back to the syllabus because one of the things I want to make sure, yes, we're all, you know, we're solving for narrow issues as they come up in in real time, as we talked about. But I really want to make sure we're leaning into where, what does all this mean more broadly for our clients and our futures as an organization and how do we think longer term? So I have used that syllabus articles, insights. I I tend to lean on our sales leaders to talk about what's going on in the marketplace to sort of prompt the conversation about the bigger picture. Okay. And I think particularly now, it's important that the voice of the customer, the voice of the seller be in the room. Okay. Thank you for listening to part one of my conversation with David Schutte. I hope you tune in for part two. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for other podcasts, please email learningdevelopment@noel.com. See you next time.